News Network. Conservative thought, not just talk. Bringing truth to political lies, misdirection, and disinformation. TNN, the Truth News Network. And your voice in the storm is Dan Newman. Here we are, folks. We're looking right down the barrel at a brand new year. Can you believe just two days from now, we'll have a new year, a new month, January of 2022. I don't know about you, but every every year when the calendar rolls over and we have a new year, it takes me at least six months getting accustomed on documents that I sign to put in the current year, the proper current year. I'll be right in 2021 for... I guess the first five months of 2022, and it'll be oops every time. I guess maybe that's a byproduct of getting old. It beats the alternative, which is to not get old, right? Well, how are you doing? How's your week going this year? For many, it's it's kind of a slowdown, a little respite between Christmas and New Year's every year. I know a lot of companies that they make it mandatory that employees, especially management employees, Uh, They just shut the operations down during the week between Christmas and New Year, and everybody takes their PTO during that that seven-day period. That's paid time off. In our company, we long ago, we quit calling it sick leave and just called it PTO. We gave employees from day one of their employment, still do. You've got three weeks, three weeks of PTO. And you can take them and call them whatever you need to call them. Sickness, problems with kids, vacation. It's all about you and what you want to term it. Three weeks. I remember when I was first getting started in the workforce back in the late 60s, early 70s. Getting any time off was unheard of. And when you did get some time off for vacation... It never happened until after you had been at your place of employment for at least a year. And then I remember when I first started my full-time first full-time job, I had to work there for a year. At the end of one year, the next year, I could take a week off. Never got to the two weeks off until I'd been there five years. Why? Wow. How have things changed, huh? (laughs) One of the first things that... uh, People ask when they come for a job interview now, tell me about your benefits and when can I take off? When can I get vacation and how much paid time leave do I get? Things change. People change. And boy, we are seeing that around us everywhere we look every day. It's going to be a special show today. For those of you that have joined us this morning, let me just tell you what you're going to want to do. At the end of this show, you're going to want to pass links to the show around to your friends and family members because we're going to get in a lot of things that you haven't heard, you haven't seen, and I mean literally, you haven't heard and seen about what's happening in our nation, what's going on behind the scenes, and why. And every day now, folks, a little more is being revealed by those up at the top of the heap the ones that speak into our lives every day. Uh, It could be from the White House. It could be mainstream media interviewing these political tyrants and listening to the things that they say. But we're not hearing all of the stuff that's going on. 
they're selectively giving us information and giving us things to think about. You can bet. Remember back when Donald Trump was beginning his run for the White House and everybody was screaming and hollering about everything he said, all of the mainstream media folks. They couldn't believe that somebody that wanted the highest office in the land would talk like he did. Remember I told you back then, whenever you see anybody or hear anybody and they're really, really loud about what they're talking about, waving their arms around, trying to make everybody believe what they're saying, don't concentrate on what this person has in their right hand or their left hand or what they're actually saying. Concentrate on what you're not seeing and you're not hearing because typically those acts are acts of diversion to take our concentration off of exactly what they're saying and doing, but capturing our attention to what they're showing us they're doing rather than what's really going on behind the scenes. Folks, we're in the middle of that exact operation that's playing out on our national and international stages right now. And every day, it just seems like one more little tidbit is being exposed to us. It's kind of like, you know, throwing out a, a minnow hooked to a cork on the end of a fishing line. And the fisherman stands up there and he keeps jerking the cork jerking it just to make it move a little bit to capture the concentration of the fish underneath the surface of the water. Well, we're not done with 2021 yet, but it's about time in this closing week that we all take a look at all of the things that we've learned in this year, 2021. Now, what do those things include? The frauds that were exposed the evils that we learned to hate and the truths we woke up to about who we are and who we hope to be. Think about it. The images of 2021 that will stick in our minds are many. I mean, so many. We can't even recount them all in just this two-hour period. The footage of brutal criminality by American citizens taking place in broad daylight. Our fellow citizens arrested, not because they stole or they ransacked or shot anybody, but because they tried to buy a burger without showing their quote-unquote papers. The images of Afghans dropping through the sky as they desperately clung to those American transport jets. The memories of mounted Border Patrol agents accused by this pathetic White House. You remember this? of racism. Mainstream media just went nuts about it. They were whipping those immigrants. All for the crime of simply attempting to do their job. And then there were parents hauled away in handcuffs for simply having the audacity to demand that school board members just do their jobs, protect our kids from abusive ideologies. Folks, We need to let 2022 be the year where we say enough, no more. When we, the people, demand more of our nation, our neighbors, and ourselves, things can't continue as they are. This is not a new normal, which they're actually portraying. 
in mainstream media. I'm going to refuse to let it be some new normal. I'm going to demand the rule of law, freedom for all, equal opportunity for all, that have been from the inception of the founding of this nation, have been exactly that. And I guess the 900-pound gorilla in everybody's room today is those looming, evil, unfathomable vaccine mandates and vaccine passports. Vaccine passports have been dangled like um, a carrot in front of a weary public, a weary public that is longing to get back to some semblance of normalcy. We've been in almost two years of lockdowns, in and out of lockdowns, masking, social distancing. And in the midst of this, guess what's happening in Europe? A Swedish company released a short video a couple of days ago that shows technology that allows them to, real simply, implant a computer chip in your hand or in your arm that can carry your vaccine status around with you wherever you go. Well, as you can imagine, the video quickly spread across social media worldwide, generating a bunch of questions and adding to the growing fear that Big Brother is growing stronger. The millions of deaths that were predicted by a flawed model for this pandemic and which seemingly started the push for these vaccines haven't come to fruition yet. Coupled with the recent engineering analysis of the data of our quote-unquote pandemic, which strongly suggest that the number of deaths from the vaccine now outnumber the deaths from the illness. Did you hear what I just said? Factually, looking at real data now, it appears that the number of deaths from the vaccine now outnumber the number of deaths from the illness. The likelihood that the push for vaccine mandates is meant to protect your health, it's slim and none. They're out there, the vaccine mandates, and they're itching to use them, but it has nothing to do with your health. As of December 10th, the VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Effects Report Database, recorded 20,244 deaths from the vaccine. If you use the underreporting factor, which is the factor the CDC told us, that you should multiply the VAERS numbers by if you wanted to get a real number. 41. 41 is the number we're supposed to multiply the VAERS report numbers by. If you use that, folks, deaths could conceivably have been 830,004 from the vaccine in just 12 months compared to 797,503 deaths recorded by the CDC for the illness in 24 months. Researchers and doctors have reported that the newest iteration of the COVID-19 virus, Omicron, results in little more than cold symptoms, and as of the 17th of this month, has led to only one confirmed death in the U.K., one here in the U.S. 
The most common symptoms, scratchy throat, headache, real tired, maybe a runny nose, and yet the call and the cry for vaccine mandates, for public masking again and vaccine passports, that all continues around the world. As one meme puts it, they're telling the unjabbed to take the jab because the jab works and telling the jabbed to get a booster because the jab doesn't work while telling everybody that the unjabbed are putting the jabbed in danger by not getting a jab that didn't protect the jab. I know it's kind of a whirlwind, kind of like chasing your tail, isn't it? So now there's a Swedish company that has jumped into this. Epicenter is the name of it. It's promoting the company's biochip technology that will be used or can be used to monitor and track everyone's vaccine status. But the future probably holds more than just that. The firm released a short video clip to showcase the implant that can store data and then be read by any device using near-field communication, that's called NFC, a type of electronic protocol. The technology right now is in use with other applications like mobile wallets and accepting payments at the point of sale. You use them every day. I know you do. And we always thought it was cool. You could just pull out your credit card and tap it on a little thing by the cash register instead of having to swipe and wait for it to load your card information, and then they print something out for you to sign. Unlike Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, the interaction must be within an extremely short range, normally just an inch or two. NFC devices can also be used bidirectionally, which means it can act as a reader or can even act as a tag itself. The National Post reports that thousands in Sweden are having these microchips inserted between their thumbs and index fingers. In 2017, CNBC reported Epicenter, this company, was using already the implants in their workers to open doors, operate printers, and purchase goods on the company campus. Great idea. Made everything easier, right? At that time, the co-founder and CEO of Epicenter, a guy named Patrick Mesterton, told CNBC that the biggest benefit, I think, is convenience. The idea was to replace communication devices like credit cards and keys. It's the same technology that's been used in pets or packages to track deliveries. Mesterton said he originally had doubts But then he compared the data-gathering implant with pacemakers that controlled a heartbeat. A lot of similarities there. In 2017, CNBC reported approximately 150 workers had received those implants. By 2018, the National Post reported that 3,500 people in Sweden had had those biochips implanted. The number grew to 6,000 by the beginning of this year. One article in the National Post back in 2018 postulated that Swedes were more likely to accept these implants because the Swedish biohacking culture is pretty much part of the transhumanist movement. I hate that term, transhumanist. 
Another theory is that they have been raised to share more of their personal details based on their social security system. Besides that, it appears people have a strong faith in digital technology and a deep belief in the positive potential they believe this technology holds. The Swedish government is heavily invested in tech, and the economy is now largely influenced by tech innovations, tech services, and digital exports. The transhumanist movement in Sweden is built on the cultural belief, listen to this, they believe that digital technology will help humans compete with artificial intelligence. I can't even imagine a world in which we even need to think about competing with AI, artificial intelligence. The movement to use these biochips as vaccine passports, it has a foundation in discrimination. Think about it. They say it's for convenience, but it's flat-out discrimination. MedPage Today reports on a six-country study in which researchers found that when vax-proof or recent negative test was required for people to go to public places or to travel, the country saw more people taking the COVID jab. The data showed that in the 20 days before policies were implemented and the first 40 days after that, there was a greater uptick in the number accepting the genetic therapy injection. The data also showed that age was a factor in the acceptance of the jabs. Individuals younger than 20 and those from 20 to 49 years were more likely to get the shot when certification was required to access, you know, nightclubs, large events, leisure activities, anything pretty much in the hospitality sector. And one researcher wrote this, given higher vaccine complacency, and hesitancy in certain groups such as younger people, younger than 30, this intervention could be an additional policy lever to increase vaccine uptake and population level immunity. In other words, folks, the researchers suggest that using mandatory vaccination could essentially threaten anybody into receiving an injection that they don't want just so that they'll be able to engage in their social wants and needs. Without a vax, individuals would no longer be able to access public places, maybe things like public transportation, and even go to work. And without income and the ability to socialize, people would find themselves, well, I just go take the genetic therapy shot that they call a vaccine. Interesting. The study also attempted to look at the impact that a vaccine passport would have on caseloads. But the data did not show what was hoped, which would be the vaccine passports and higher rates of vaccinations would reduce the number of cases. Instead, they found out that cases reduced in some countries and rose in others suggesting there's something else at work influencing infection rates. Stephen Northam, who's director of the United Kingdom's Biotech, the leading human technology implant specialist, here's what he predicted. 
in 10 to 15 years, microchipped humans are going to be an everyday occurrence. Noel Chesley, associate professor of sociology at the University of Wisconsin, agrees, having told USA Today back in 2017, quote, it will happen to everybody. Maybe not my generation, she said, but certainly that of my kids. That viral video from Sweden that promoted their biochip vaccine passport, it got mixed reviews. You can imagine that. While some saw it as a genius idea to integrate technology into the human body, others think it's reminiscent of a sci-fi movie or possibly forerunner to the mark of the beast from the book of Revelation. An implanted chip isn't the only way you might be marked with vaccine information. There are more. Researchers from MIT also announced how vaccine certificates might be injected under the skin using quantum dots a few nanometers in size. The technique uses transdermal patches described as being used to label people with invisible ink that can store information under our skin. The fluorescent quantum dot tags are applied at the same time as you get the vaccine injection. The transdermal patch is dissolvable microneedles that co-deliver the light-emitting microparticles and the vaccine. Now listen to this. The research on all this was funded by the Gates Foundation. When those dots are lit with UV light, it increases the energy level of the molecules. Cell culture studies have shown the physiochemical characteristics are one factor that creates toxicity in these quantum microdots. Kevin McHugh, who is a member of the team working on this technology here, explains that despite potential toxicity challenges, the technique could allow for rapid inspection of vaccination history. So far, the technology's been used only in animals. But according to McHugh, the technology is primarily targeted at our children. Another form of marking your body with information, a tattoo. One 22-year-old Italian student's ink went viral when a video was taken of his friend scanning the QR code tattooed on his arm. The New York Post describes the side effect of having QR codes tattooed on your body as the need for them to be designed just right and giving them time to heal before they're going to work properly. I mean, they've already got the plans in place in detail for this. While some folks see vaccine passports as a convenience and implanted chips as a way of keeping track of their wallet or keys, make no mistake, folks. They are just a precursor to a digital ID. Thales Digital Identity and Security Company says they're offering citizens unparalleled convenience and security. However, while it's being promoted as something with superior convenience, digital passports don't always work and ultimately will turn you into a slave in a system that profits from surveilling everything you do. The system is funded and will be administered by unelected globalists 
with the power to cut your access to money, health care, travel, food, and everything else they want to. Some of the organizations behind this agenda, listen to this, folks. World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, for short, the WHO, the Rockefellers, the World Bank, and of course, Bill Gates. Oh, by the way, Anthony Fauci. Much of what they talk about is said using altruistic language meant to engage you in a propaganda campaign that hides their profit motive. In the real world, digital ID systems have proven disastrous for the average person and in many cases have resulted in marginalization and even death. Here's an example, a random sampling of 18 villages in India that have implanted compulsory biometric authentication at rationing stations. And by the way, that was done by the Gates Foundation, funded by the Gates Foundation. It showed that 37% of people weren't able to get their food for one reason or another. This means only 63% of people found the system convenient. 37% were in danger of disease and even death. Imagine if you relied on a system like this every day, every day for your banking, your food, your health care, and just to go buy a Starbucks coffee. Canadian immunologist and genetics, Sir John Bell, he thinks the COVID-19 medical system could easily be repurposed as a global program for other ailments. Future mandated health treatments and vaccinations may result in your loss of freedom. For example, in several years, drugs such as mandatory statin treatment as a public health measure might be required to maintain a valid passport. Ultimately, these biometric ID systems allow private companies to profit from your personal data. Many have already been siphoning your online data and selling it to anyone that's willing to pay for it. But a biometric ID system will allow them to profit from just your identity, while at the same time enslaving you because you're going to be hooked to the system for everything. Folks, it's crucial that we all take a minute to remember that natural immunity surpasses any vaccine-induced protection. I know there are people out there, so-called experts, that will argue that point, but the, the science confirms that. Medical science is proving these vaccines have been useless and irrational. Daniel Horowitz calls forced vaccination the 900-pound gorilla in the pandemic. August 25th this year, in an article published in The Blaze, Horowitz reported there were at least 15 studies that show natural immunity from being infected previously. Natural immunity is more robust and much longer lasting than what you get from the COVID-19 genetic therapy injection without any of the side effects. The data show that vaccine immunity rapidly wanes regardless of any variant. To boost your immunity, health leaders want you to take a booster 
after just six months. But according to the Mayo Clinic, as of July of this year, Pfizer's COVID injection was only 42% effective against infection. That doesn't even meet the FDA's requirement of 50% efficacy for COVID vaccines. But nobody's saying anything about that. If this was anybody but Pfizer or one other big pharma giant, the FDA would have pulled their authorization immediately. Investigative reporter James Corbett of the Corbett Report Solution explores how we can thwart the threat of vaccine mandates and passports. He stresses there is no one-size-fits-all solution across the world. Here are some suggestions. One, legal challenges to the vaccine mandates. A variety of legal resources can be found on the Corbett Report's September open thread, a thread by Home Remedy Supply in particular. It contains a a long list of legal resources for Americans looking to combat vaccine mandates, including vaccine exemption documentation and much more. The Corbett Report show notes also a list and a variety of resources. Another resource is the Solari Report, where you can download a a whole variety of forms. You can also pursue religious and medical exemptions. Just keep in mind that while these might be temporarily, and they might temporarily therefore save the livelihoods of some people, it does virtually nothing to protect you or anyone else from tyranny in the long term. Second, workarounds that don't necessitate facing the problem head on. What could be included in this? Well, such things as setting up a network of life like-minded people to create parallel economies and parallel resources, getting involved in local politics, your kid's school board, where you can apply pressure and affect change from the inside. You can generate and also sign petitions like the British TogetherDeclaration.org. Third, peaceful protest and demonstrations. There are mass protests taking place all over the world today. I mean, down under, Sydney, Australia. People have been warring with the police there. The police are enforcing all of their horrible mandates, locking people inside not even letting them come out on the streets, and if you do, you're going to be arrested. Same thing happening in Paris. Our mainstream media, they don't cover any of this. They don't want us to think anybody on the planet is even thinking about pushing back against egregious vaccine mandates. Keep in mind, this strategy requires patience and above all else, persistence. Doing it once or twice It's going to accomplish very little. The French have been going to the streets by the hundreds of thousands every weekend now for three months, every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Our leaders are clearly, not easily, not rapidly swayed by these displays of solidarity, but over time, peaceful protest can be effective. And fourth, at the end of the day, the most effective long-term solution is mass noncompliance. It's important to realize that it's not our politicians who are running the show. They want us to think that. 
They beat us over the head with that concept every day. These people are nothing but foot soldiers for unnamed, unelected globalist folks. Globalist that are numbered among the wealthiest people on the planet and therefore those who have the most power because these are the people that are pushing this. That's exactly why fighting in the political arena is unlikely to eliminate this threat in the long term. The technocrat globalists that are the real string pullers are only able to do what they do because people tend to just go along with it. It's that simple. If enough people don't comply, their plans fall apart. If millions of people refuse to comply with the mandates and the passports and then sue their employers when they're fired, if millions force the establishment to go through that hassle, the establishment will eventually cave. As noted by Corbett, it would become mathematically impossible for them to enforce tyranny. And ultimately, folks, that's the only way we win. Now let me tell you what I want you to do. For those of you listening in, go go to our website, truthnewsnet.org. Copy this story. Vaccine mandates are on their way. They may be digital. And share it. Share it to everybody on your friends list. This is important. And folks, this is not the only thing that's important today. And not the only thing that's critical about this whole mandate thing. Big Brother is real. And Big Brother is here. An example not just one example, but multiple examples of exactly how this is happening right now in your city, in your town, as you're breathing. And the players, the purveyors of this, you know who they are, but now they're being exposed. More about that right after this. So you guys grew up together? Yes, since third grade. What are you looking at? I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels. What are you, model gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Right? Eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at We Are Golden. Look out, world. We got it from here. 
So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, Your place needs furniture. And at this sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The warehouse sale at Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City. Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember 10-10-10. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10 bucks a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. When fake news threatens the fabric of the nation, you have a choice. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. We aren't pitting ourselves against anybody in media. That's not what we're about. We're just about giving you the facts, trusting you, hoping you will make your own determinations, do your own research, and come up with the answers for yourself. Meanwhile, our politocrats, they just continue to be, well, they just continue to be politocrats. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, you know them best as CMS, they have, as of yesterday, reversed a policy that was announced on December 28th that it would start enforcing its COVID vaccine mandate to facilities in half the U.S. states where the mandate hasn't been judicially stopped or paused. CMS modified the compliance dates for the vaccine mandates. Here's what they did. Facilities that receive Medicare or Medicaid funding got to comply with the mandate's first phase, meaning that all healthcare staff has to have received the first jab of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine or the single-shot J&J vaccine by January 27th or 30 days after the memorandum was issued. Those facilities must comply with the CMS mandate second phase, meaning healthcare workers need to receive the second dose, and their deadline is February 28th. Earlier this month, a CMS spokesperson said it suspended enforcement of the vaccine mandate for healthcare workers pending future developments in litigation. That came after a couple of courts issued injunctions against the rule. But now, according to the latest directive from the CMS, any healthcare facility will have to show that, quote, Policies and procedures are developed and implemented for ensuring all facilities staff under the agency's mandate, regardless of clinical responsibility or patient or resident contact, are vaccinated for COVID-19. The facility must show that 100% of staff have received at least one dose of COVID's vaccine or have a pending request for or have been granted a qualifying exemption, or identified as having a temporary delay, as recommended by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
If fewer than 100% of staff are complying with the mandate, the facility is non-compliant under the rule, according to the CMS. The facility will receive notice of their non-compliance with the 100% standard, and any facility that is above 80% and has a plan in place to get to the 100% staff vax rate within 60 days would not be subject to additional enforcement action. Under this CMS mandate, any facility that isn't in compliance with the rule will be at risk of losing its federal Medicare or Medicaid funding, which means there'd be a huge percentage. percentage. In, in many cases, it's up to 50% of patients are Medicare and Medicaid patients. Those people, those patients wouldn't be able to get health care. The CMS vaccine mandate will now impact these states. Listen closely. California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Tennessee, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, and Wisconsin. It doesn't apply to facilities in these states. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, Wyoming. Now, how, how did this different state thing and the vaccine mandate apply to some but not to others? How did this happen? If you remember, when President Biden put out his first vaccine mandate, he pushed out through OSHA, which, by the way, means to me, all this means to me is he doesn't have the kahunas to do it from the White House as the president. He made OSHA do it. Somebody told him to do that. But nevertheless, the reason is, in those states where this mandate from CMS doesn't apply, you know, the ones from Alabama all the way through Wyoming, the reason they don't apply there is lawsuits were filed in federal court and a federal judge issued a stay in those states specifically. Those other states where it does apply effective immediately, those are ones where either lawsuits weren't filed naming those states specifically or lawsuits were filed and the federal judge kicked out the effectiveness of the lawsuit and disallows them from stopping that mandate. That doesn't sound like much unless you live in some of those states that they can now require you if you're a nurse or a doctor working at a hospital treating patients and you refuse the vaccination, you're out of work. Don't you think for a second that we will see a flood of healthcare workers jumping out, leaving these states and cities like many already are, California, New York, New Jersey, going to places like Texas, Louisiana, West Virginia, 
even Oklahoma, South Carolina. It just gets deeper and deeper. We're not finished with the deep dive stuff, folks. Fauci's back in, he's back in business. Yesterday, Dr. Fauci said public health officials are maintaining, and these are his words, open mind when it comes to the prospect of implementing a domestic vaccine requirement, meaning a vaccine requirement for everyone. Now, this is the way this whole thing has started from the very beginning. You know, the mask mandates, the lockdowns, social distancing, it was all originated, all of those, and even the vaccine mandates of every kind. Here's the process these political elephants used to push those out in society. They never first came out and said, bam, you got to do this. We're mandating you must wear a mask. Bam, we're mandating you social distancing. Bam, we're forcing you to close your businesses. That's not the way they did it. They always first floated it out there. I guess basically to test the temperature of the public, whether or not there's going to be horrible pushback. I don't know. I'm just assuming that. And then, after a period of time, in every case, they've gone ahead and just pushed right through with it. Fauci made waves early this week after he suggested that officials are open to requiring vaccines simply to travel on domestic air flights. Here's what he said. When you make vaccination a requirement, that's simply another incentive to get more people vaccinated. This was from an MSNBC show that he was on on Monday of this week. If you want to do that with domestic flights, I think he said that's something that seriously should be considered. So in yesterday's press conference with the White House COVID-19 response team, Fauci backed off a bit, making it clear that such a requirement is on the table, but adding that they do not believe it is necessary at this moment due to mask and filtration on planes. I had said, and I'll say it again, this is Fauci, that we, when we talk about keeping America safe and keeping our citizens safe, Everything that is an intervention is always on the table and always discussed. And we discuss it regularly on, literally on a daily and weekly basis, he said. The difference between requiring a vaccination before you get on a plane to come from out of the country into the U.S. is for the obvious reason of keeping infection, especially new variants, out of our country. However, As is very clearly the case for domestic travelers, as I mentioned, we want to keep them safe, but we believe that the requirement achieves that goal. If there's a need to do more beyond this masking, mainly having a vaccine issue, we will seriously consider that as new information arises. So it's just keeping an open mind, he said, that the situation just may change. But at this particular time, we don't feel it's necessary to make that a requirement for domestic flights. Rochelle Walensky, Dr. Walensky, head of the CDC, she shared the same sentiments during a Tuesday interview with NPR. 
She explained that a vaccine requirement for domestic travel is indeed a topic of conversation, but not something we're revisiting right now. Biden made it clear this week he will impose the vaccine requirement if medical experts approve. So what are you saying, Dan? I'm simply saying, folks, this is the way they've done it from the beginning. This is the way they have rolled into, eased into, this egregious government top-down seizing the freedoms of Americans, the freedoms to determine the health care, the issues for our individual bodies and those of our young family members. They've done it from the start. And so what this is, I'm going to use an old term. This is the Fauci dog whistle that says, get ready. Here's what's about to happen. We're just giving you a a notice this is being considered, and then bam, it's done. I promised you months ago when this whole vaccine thing and the potential of mandates even began to be whispered, not discussed, but just whispered. I told you then, the end game of these sycophant multi-billionaires that call themselves globalists, they're citizens of the world. They're not citizens of countries. They're better than that because they have so much money. They have so much power, so much influence. They're not even citizens. They're the leaders of everything on planet Earth. They really feel that way. They act that way. And sure enough, here we are. Now, I got asked this morning, early, early this morning, do you really think this is going to play out this way? Heck yeah. There's never been a question in my mind. That's where we're headed. So what are we going to do as Americans? What are we going to do? I want to roll into that. I'm just thinking on the fly here. I want to roll into that. What can Americans do? What should Americans do? What I can do is I can tell you what has happened in the past when Americans have faced things like this. And it's going to take a few minutes to do it. So before we do that, We have 10 minutes left in our first hour. It's going to take 20, maybe 25 minutes to do it. So why don't we do this? Let's take a pause. Go grab a cup of coffee. You've probably had too much coffee. Go grab a diet soda or get you a glass of tea and come back. We're going to chat a little bit about this. This is going to be a memorable day for you. A lot of information. Sit tight. Back in a minute. You're fighting back the tidal wave of deceit. Lies, spin, and ignorance with TNN, the Truth News Network. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle? 
There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. Just before we get into this segment, let me remind all of you, um, everybody can access these shows very easily now. Minutes after each show is completed live every weekday, Monday through Friday, Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast, also Google Podcast, iHeartRadio Podcast, and now Stitcher all pick up our show, TNN Live, and they send them live. All of those podcasts are no charge. So if you've got an iPhone, there is a little purple podcast icon that comes with you when you buy that phone. It's own preloaded on your phone. All you do is boot that, and when it comes up on the screen in the search bar, put in TNN Live. You got to put all that in there. That's the name of the show. And our um, front page, our index pops up. And every show that we have um, recorded, we put on live that have been recorded, every one of them, for the last two or three months, are included in that index that pops up. The latest show is up at the top. I'm going to challenge you. This is going to be the most important show because of the information we've already shared and what we're about to weigh into. You're going to want to direct people to today's show to let them go grab it. And they can all do it the same way. Again, these outlets carry every show. Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast, iHeartRadio Podcast, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. All of those, you can find the show there every day. Keep that in mind as we move forward with today's show. Now, let me tell you where we're going here. I'm not a historian. I'm not a medical professional. I'm just like you. I'm I'm an American. I live my life. Uh, I've lived my life for 68 years. I have a little more experience at normal things than some of you do. Some of our listeners have more than I do. So... I guess what I'm saying is I'm not making myself out to be an expert. But those who know me and those that know the structure of this show and the way truthnewsnet.org was created and has functioned over the last three years is this. I'm a researcher. Most of the content that you see 
and here on this show, I've either originated it or it's information that through extensive exhaustive research, I have uncovered and bring to you. We have verified its basis of facts before we bring it to you. In addition to that, we have, uh, we have relationships with a bunch of people that are experts in some of the fields that are very important to you, information, etc. People like in healthcare, Dr. Fleming, uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits, and several other folks, and we bring them to you and have and will continue to do so. In the area of politics, we have the same thing. A frequent visitor here is Congressman Mike Johnson from the 4th Congressional District here in Louisiana. He's been on the show a dozen times or more talking about political things. In this particular case, folks, we're at a different spot. There's no one place we can go and pick up a source or turn on a radio or activate a podcast on our iPhones or our computers and get the cold hard facts about what's about to happen. I promise you this, even though I don't know what's about to happen, and even though you don't know what's about to happen, there are people today that have known everything that has happened over the last two years was going to happen because they were in the middle of the process that initiated it and have maintained its existence and its growth into the circumstances that are making us forcing us to have this conversation today. Let me just for a second step to the side and talk to you about something. Those of you who know me that I'm a devout Christian, I live it out every day. I'm active in my church. I'm active in ministry. I have been almost my entire life. I believe, I believe in God. I believe Jesus Christ was and is his only son. I think Jesus came to earth and he took on the attributes of being a man. I think after his ministry of three and a half years that he began at age 30, I think he was crucified, he died, and he rose from the dead, ascended back into heaven. And that whole act was to give every human being the ability to through praying and belief praying to and believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and that his death and resurrection was primarily to facilitate a way for us to have sins forgiven without going through the blood sacrifices that his Israel chosen nation had to do for centuries. Now we have an advocate. I believe in that, and I believe the Bible. I've never read the Bible you know, from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation 24 in a row. But through my extensive years of living on earth and reading the Bible, pretty much I've read the whole thing, most of it. Every time I read, something pops out that I didn't recognize before. That's one of the neatest things about the Bible. And there is a plan, there is a revelation, and it's called the Revelation, the final book of the Bible in which the plans about the end time of people on earth, it's there. And it's been argued there have been experts that have said this and this means that. 
the mark of the beast, the 666, who's, who's going to be the one, the ones in charge, all those kind of things are speculative. And they still are, folks. They are based upon opinion, determination. I believe in heaven. I believe in hell. I believe Jesus is physically going to come back to earth at some point. And I believe there is very specific language in the book of Revelation and elsewhere in the Bible that portends Christians, people who have accepted Christ as their Savior, are going to have some real battles and struggles in making choices about their eternal lives. I believe all of that, and I'm just laying that foundation for you to understand my perspective. I don't know who the Antichrist is or is going to be. I have no idea. And it doesn't trouble me that I don't know who it is. But it was pointed out to me last night in a conversation, something that I really hadn't put my head around before. And it makes sense when I put all this other stuff that we visit about every day, put it into context, and put it all together. What we're seeing happen, each little segment of this, it's not a pandemic. Um, maybe it's just, I'm trying to think of a term. I'll come up with one, a formal term that we'll put out there for you and, and you can use it and you'll know when we utter it exactly what we're talking about. But here it is in context. There is a group of people, very powerful people that have joined forces of some kind join forces in some way, and have created a scenario to usher in a time in American history and a time in world history where big government gets bigger and there has long been a quest by some of, if not all of these globalists, to create a world government. Now, what would that look like? I have no idea. I've never sat down with one of them and had a conversation to explain it. But I do know there are many of people that have outwardly made it very well known. They believe in this concept and they would like to see it happen. All that being said, for their dream to actualize, it will require the buy-in, whether it's voluntarily or forced to happen, the buy-in of billions of people on planet Earth. That's going to be a hard task to make happen. But the one fly in the ointment, the biggest fly in the ointment for them, is the fact that the United States of America was founded to go 180 degrees away from that philosophy that was prevalent in Europe and Asia and other parts of the world. Our forefathers came here and gave us a place to live, a country in which we could live, and have total freedom to pursue all of our dreams without having a heavy-handed government standing over us, forcing us to do everything that they want us to do, keeping us from doing the freedom things that we wanted to do. And it worked. It worked. 
the very fact that it worked, and Americans put all of their thoughts, their personal ideals for a couple of centuries, put all of those things to the side and concentrated on what JFK advised every American to do back in 1960. What did he say? Don't ask what your country can do for you. Rather, ask what you can do for your country. In other words, the whole of this nation, this free nation, is more important than the wants and the desires of one or two or even millions or billions of people that live here. And the only way it will succeed is only if we put ourselves after pulling together as a nation. Not everybody has felt that way through American history. Not everybody has acted that way and acted that out. In fact, it's been quite different from that from time to time. To even get to become, the right to become this nation, required men to take up arms and go to war. Now, that's just something when we say that, the Revolutionary War, we just think about, you know, it was a few people, probably a bunch of white guys, because everybody knows all those settlers that came over here were racist and had slaves. That's another story to discuss another day. I'm not going there. But everybody makes their own opinions and use those opinions on which to base the way they think about everything, including our past history, what's going on in the world around us. But what we must understand is sometimes our opinions aren't real. That doesn't mean they're not important. My opinion sometimes is wrong. Yours is too. But nevertheless, We as Americans have gotten soft about that God and country thing. And I'm going to speak for just a moment to my Christian brothers and sisters. Most Christians believe as this thing rolls out, it's not a whole lot different than it was back when the Israel war, the Israeli war, 1967, when that was going on, many Christians felt like that was the beginning of the end. They were looking to, let's look to the Middle East and see who the Antichrist is going to be. And this portends Jesus coming back in the clouds of glory to take Christian brothers and sisters on to heaven to be with him. And I wasn't around, but I'm sure before that, it was in Vietnam that way. The Korean conflict, of course, in World War II and World War I, the War of 1812, the Civil War, all the way back to the Revolutionary War. There were millions of Christians that felt like this was God pushing his agenda, which was laid out in the Bible, in the book of Revelation. This was brought to my attention last night, and I knew it, but I'd never thought about it. The Revolutionary War wasn't fought and won by a bunch of Christians. The War of 1812 wasn't a bunch of Christians that did it. The Civil War, that wasn't a bunch of Christians. World War I, World War II, 
Korean conflict, Vietnam, Iraq. It wasn't a bunch of Christians. Yeah, there were Christians involved in it from the beginning, but it was a bunch of Americans. It was Americans that chose to stand up for freedom. That's what this whole thing is about. And you know what? The way that we, and when I'm saying we, I mean the way we Americans of every ilk, every skin color, every race, every religion, every nation of origin, Americans, if we stand up and take charge and do and commit to do and then do whatever it takes, everything it takes to protect the freedoms that are guaranteed, they are enshrined in the document that is known around the world to being the most inclusive, successful, truthful, realistic operating document of any country in world history. If Americans will stand up and say, no more, no more, and I don't care what it is. It's not just COVID vaccine and mandates. It's not just mask mandates. It's not just confiscating our resources from us just because they're the government and they have some kind of authority to do it. Unless Americans stand up united. Folks in the Revolutionary War, there were Christians, but there were pagans involved in that. There were people from other nations involved in that that had a common cause. America. Freedom. Freedom and justice for all. Equal justice under the law. The War of 1812, the same thing. The Civil War, the same thing. There were a bunch of Christians that fought in the Civil War, but there were a bunch of non-Christians that did as well. Many Christians and non-Christians fought for the South. Many Christians and non-Christians fought for the North. Everybody in those wars were fighting for this nation. World War II, of course, World War I, the Korean conflict, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, name it all. The love of country, the belief in the structure of this nation and the importance of it being healthy and remaining intact, it's become so diluted that Americans have lost focus, have lost the concept for the structure of this entire nation. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? Throughout world history, time after time, we see nations that rise from the ashes after destruction, sometimes by foreign foes, sometimes 
by foes from inside those countries, we've seen a resurrecting force come up and stand in the gap and make sure that the ideals of the people or the preeminent purposes that are used for making that nation be a nation again. That has to happen for this nation to make it through this. I don't know what the alternative is. I don't know what that will look like, the end result, if this nation doesn't become one nation under God again. Christians, Muslims, Does that mean I'm throwing God out of the equation? Absolutely not. God is and will always have a huge part in my life. What did Jesus say about this kind of stuff? He didn't know this was going to happen. He didn't say anything about it, Dan. Oh, yeah, he did say, he said quite a few things about it. He talked about government issues quite a bit. If you remember correctly, at the time, the Jewish, there was no Jewish nation. There was, a, a I guess, a, a nation of like-minded Jewish people that followed God. Those people that their ancestors came out of slavery in Egypt and went to what is now Israel, the promised land. Yeah. But what this is about is fighting evil. And evil takes on many shapes, many forms, many personalities. It always has. But fortunately, in most cases, we Americans have been able to recognize the face of evil. What did Jesus say about that? He made it very clear. You're either for me, you're against me. And we've heard that term being used over and over again throughout political history here. But it was a biblical principle. You're either for God or you're against God. But specifically evil and the forms that evil takes that we see in operation in our lives and often, in fact, most times when we see it going on, we don't recognize it as evil. What did Jesus say about evil? Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Jesus said this, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. What is the root? That's the very substance that something is made from. Evil is the root. Evil is what comes from the root of the love of money. Can you look around the landscape of what we're facing, what we've been facing here in the United States over the last couple of decades? And can you relate that to dollars and cents? 
kind of left-handedly here at TNN Live, I for well over a year have said repeatedly, if you have a question about something that just doesn't smell right, that you see happening in government, not just government, but in our everyday lives, follow the money. If you think something is wrong, if you think something is bad, if you think it's evil, follow the money. It always goes back to the love and the pursuit of money. Now, where does all that fit in here, Dan? Well, just look at what has consumed our time on this show and in our writings, stories published at truthnewsnet.org. It's COVID-19, all of the radioactive fallout that comes from COVID-19, what it's doing to our society, what it's doing to our nation, what it's doing to our people, especially what it's doing to our kids. And when we talk about it, we don't ever put in the context of what is causing the evil. Where does it come from? It's, it's couched. I mean, it's been hidden for a long time in a bunch of different ways by a bunch of different people. But at the source of it all, at the root of it all, is a love for money. Give me some examples. Okay, simple enough. Have you been vaccinated? A lot of people have. Well, that means medicine. What your insurance company say? You have to get prior authorization to go get that vaccination? Nope. Why not? The federal government paid for it. Well, where does the federal government get that money? They get it from us in tax dollars. Well, who did they pay? Here in the United States, they paid Pfizer. They paid Moderna. They paid Johnson & Johnson. Now, what does that mean? That means we, the citizens of the United States, have paid hundreds of billions of dollars, maybe even a trillion or more at this point, to those companies, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson. Who owns those companies? Do you know, we've told you this before and given you the names, there are three major entities that have massive ownership in those publicly traded companies, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. Three companies. Those companies, in large part, are owned by these mega-billionaires from the United States and elsewhere on the globe who have one common cause in mind that's driving the boat. One world government. Are you predicting? Are you saying that's what's going on, Dan? No, here's what I'm saying. When it quacks and waddles, it's always a duck. And for two years and far longer than that, that duck has been quacking and waddling down the street and been in our lives, never goes away, keeps circling back. It keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. The love of money is the root of all evil. And folks, that is what is happening now. How can we handle it? 
What can we do? First, I'm going to tell you what I've done. I've gone to my knees. I pray. I pray. I've got to find comfort. I've got to keep peace in my heart because God's in control and only he knows what's at the end of all of this. I mean, I, I technically know. I've read the Revelation. I know what's at the end of it. And at the end of it, we're all going to be okay. But there's a lot of life to live. Maybe not for some of us, but for a lot of people. There's a lot of life to live between now and then. We've got to get our minds wrapped around the truth. We have to find the truth in this And the only way I can tell you to do it is look at everything, research everything, pray about everything. And if you ask God to give you answers, here's what we were told in the Bible. If if a son asks a father for bread, what father would give the son a rock? The father's going to give the son bread. Ask God specific questions and then shut up and listen for the answers. You'll get them. You'll get them. Wow. We're not through yet, folks. (laughs) We have 40 more minutes and we have 40 more minutes of some really, really important things for you to consider. We're going to dive right into that. We'll come back and reference this segment we just completed toward the end of the show. Back after this at TNN Live. We are the college at the forefront of innovative education. We are outstanding faculty teaching in cutting-edge classrooms and facilities. We are students learning powerful skills for tomorrow's workforce. And together... We are Triton. Register today. Hi guys, this is the Chevy Silverado with the world's first invisible trailer. Invisible trailer? And it's not the trailer right next to us? This guy? You don't believe me? Hop in. Good looking pickup, I will say that. Oh, wow. Silverado offers an optional technology package with up to 15 different views, including one enhanced view that makes your trailer appear invisible. Wow. That's pretty That's sweet. That's cool. Oh. That's awesome. Where's the trailer though? <laughs> I love it. It's magic. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G Nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Trucker Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Separating fact from fiction. 
arming you with the ammunition of liberty. The Truth on TNN. Truthnewsnet.org. Not so much in the lines of what we're talking about today, but a point of interest when we talked about Americans are going to have to stand up and do things, whatever it takes to get our country, get it back and make sure that the freedoms we have been promised and we were born into and guaranteed in our Constitution are not taken away by our government. Violence is not necessarily need to be a part of it. One California man, he jumped the gun. He's 25 years old. I can't pronounce his whole name, but his last name is Zhang. He was arrested in Iowa, and he told cops when he was arrested that he would do whatever it takes to knock off people that he was headed to Washington to do that to. Those officials that he was targeting, President Joe Biden and Dr. Anthony Fauci. He was stopped in Iowa on his way to D.C. on December 21st, and the cop that stopped him, Senator Tyler, excuse me, Sergeant Tyler Shields, noticed that he was driving aggressively in and out of traffic on I-80. Police found an AR-15 rifle, loaded ammunition magazines, and body armor in his car when they stopped him. Court records show that Zhang was recently fired from his job as a grocery clerk in California. His hit list also included Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Mark Zuckerberg. The records also said that Zhang was on a bizarre mission to combat evil demons in the White House. During his search, this sergeant, Sergeant Shields, also found boxes of ammo, medical kits, food, and cash, the six-page criminal complaint filed in the Southern District of Iowa, which was unsealed Wednesday, yesterday. A resident of Merced, California, Zhang had the White House's address dialed into a GPS device. In his report, the sergeant said that Zhang's vehicle looked very lived in, suggesting he'd been using it as a residence. He told the police he was traveling to see things because it is unknown how long he has on earth, and that finding a hotel to stay at in D.C. wasn't going to be necessary. Zhang reported he made a number of statements as well, such as his disapproval for the government due to the sex abuse of kids, and that money was earmarked for funeral costs. After he was taken into custody, Secret Service questioned him, you can imagine. According to court records, also said that he believes that he is the only person remaining who can free the United States of evil, and it's necessary for him to kill those in positions of power. Folks, that's a nut job. That's not what we're talking about, about Americans standing up and taking actions, positive actions to take back our nation. Do I think that this would never mean going to arms? I pray that it doesn't. I really do. But I can just imagine back in generations before us, any times that our forefathers were faced with life and death, freedom or no freedom decisions, they had to make a choice at that particular time. If and when that comes to us, 
What are we going to say? What are we going to do? And don't think and don't say that could never happen here. Folks, just two years ago, I was one that was saying there is no way we could ever be locked down by our government sufficient to close companies and put millions of people on the street without jobs just because of a a government edict put out a fear-mongering government that threatened us that if we didn't abide by what they were telling us, everybody was going to die. I would have never thought that would have happened. I would have said there's no way. We're in our second year of it happening. Never say never. Use the term probably. (laughs) Probably. South Dakota Governor Christy Nome. Yesterday she weighed in. And she called on the president and his administration to back off on imposing federal mandates to mitigate the spread of COVID across the nation. She said Biden doesn't have the authority to put these mandates in place, which many constitutional attorneys agree with. She argued local governments should be the ones handling the pandemic response. And basically on Monday, we heard, you heard right here at TNN Live, our president say there's no federal solution for COVID-19 and our pandemic. It needs to be done by states. Noam said, that's interesting to me that the president is so bold in saying there is no federal solution, yet he continues to impose mandates on the country. Hmm. And the fact is, he doesn't have the authority to put these mandates in place, she said. That's why South Dakota, many other states too, and governors and attorney generals have challenged the federal government on its authority in court. That will be heard here in South Dakota in January, and she said, we're going to win. We'll win because this president has taken unprecedented action to impose on the liberties and freedoms of the American people. Sometimes the only ones that are left to fight are the governors. That's Governor Christy Nome from South Carolina, uh, South Dakota. Have a lot of respect for her. I mean, she's a firebrand, and she certainly doesn't mind going toe-to-toe with these egregious politicians, these top-downers, where they have no respect, no understanding, or no care for the people of America that they govern. It's all about whatever they want and whatever they think is right, and it is regardless of what the law says about any of it. I mean, you can't give me any other reason, justification at all, for just benignly forgetting about enforcing federal immigration laws. Millions of illegals have flooded across our border, not just under Biden. It's been happening under previous presidents. George W. Bush was literally a globalist when it came to allowing illegal immigrants to come in and stay here. And he, to this day, if you ask him point blank, he will very quietly agree that he is a no-borders guy. That fits right into that globalist narrative that we were talking about in our first segment. So, listen, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Every circumstance, everything that you confront in your life, Begin to ask questions about all of it. What's this really about? What's this really about? For instance, we talked about Fauci. 
I've, from the very beginning, I've very, very carefully watched and listened to everything he says. And there's always just been something a little slinky about Dr. Anthony Fauci. So I listen to what he says and I try to put it in the context of what I'm feeling and sensing in my heart and in my spirit about all of this egregious government top-down stuff that he's heavily involved at instigating, implementing, and justifying it. Here's what he had to say when he was asked about what we should do. We've got another holiday coming up, a big one. Friday is New Year's Eve. The crystal ball, it's not going to fall in New York City this year. It's going to be virtual. (laughs) A lot of our freedoms are stolen from us in that regard. What does he have to say about getting together as families and friends for big New Year's Eve parties? I do wonder, we are approaching New Year's Eve at the end of this week. A lot of people have got uh, events and gatherings planned. And I know you said it's okay to be with friends and family if you're vaccinated and boosted. But what is your advice to people about larger settings for New Year's parties? Uh, Caitlin, I would stay away from that. I mean, I, I have been telling people consistently that if you're vaccinated and boosted and you have a family setting in the home with family and relatives. But when you're talking about a New Year's Eve party, we have 30, 40, 50 people celebrating. You do not know the status of their vaccination. I would recommend strongly stay away from that this year. There will be other years to do that, but not this year. Let's look forward. You have advised people to stay away from large gatherings this New Year's. So how do you define large and what is a safe way to gather? Yeah, there's no magic number, Kristen, but when you're dealing with a family gathering in a home where you and the people that are there are vaccinated and boosted, although nothing is 100% risk-free, that's a relatively risk-free situation. What I was saying we should avoid is a New Year's Eve celebration where you have 30 or 40 people and you don't know the vaccine status of many of the people. That's something you really want to stay away from. So what are these hardcore leftists in government, the top-down guys and girls, what do they base all of their ability and permission to say these things and assume these things and force such things on American citizens. Where are they getting that power? They're getting it from sowing seeds of quote-unquote information among the populace to get us in a frame of mind where when it's time for them to answer questions like you just heard Dr. Fauci answer about what's okay for a party on New Year's Eve and numbers and how to make it happen, that when he gives you an answer, you're just automatically going to believe what he says and take action based upon what he says. So what is the seed of all of this? What are they using as the tool to lock us down, at least mentally and emotionally, and put us in a place where we just automatically listen to what they tell us to do And then we go do it. Well, here's one example of what they use. Listen closely to this information. The number of COVID-19 infections hit a record high over the past seven-day period in the United States and globally, according to Reuters data, which showed the average number of daily cases in the U.S. surged to more than 258,000, over 8,000 more than the previous record set last January. 
Officials say much of the spike is due to the highly transmissible Omicron variant racing out of control. During an audio-only press briefing Wednesday, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said the surge is not over yet. In a few short weeks, Omicron has rapidly increased across the country and, we expect, will continue to circulate in the coming weeks. While our cases have substantially increased from last week, hospitalizations and deaths remain comparatively low right now. Top U.S. infectious disease expert Dr. Anthony Fauci said studies point to Omicron being less severe than the Delta variant among vaccinated people, but warned, We should not become complacent since our hospital system could still be stressed in certain areas of the country. More than 76,000 people are hospitalized with COVID-19 nationwide, up 19 percent in the last 10 days, according to a Reuters tally. WHO Director Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus sounded the alarm for global cases Wednesday. Delta and Omicron are twin threats that are driving up cases to record numbers, which again is leading to spikes in hospitalizations and deaths. I'm highly concerned that Omicron being more transmissible, circulating at the same time as Delta, is leading to a tsunami of cases. Britain, Italy, Spain, Portugal, Greece, Cyprus and Malta all registered record numbers of new cases on Tuesday. The French health minister told lawmakers on Wednesday that France was seeing a dizzying rise in cases, with 208,000 reported in the space of 24 hours. That's a national and European record. Gloom and doom. Oh my God, the case count, it's going through the roof. And our hospitals, OMG. Folks, Omicron, that variant, is barely anything more in its effects except an advanced case of a cold. You mean it's not deadly, Dan? Listen, how do you define what deadly means in your world? Getting an infection of COVID, this variant, in which you may get a sniffle, you may get a temperature, but it's far, far less severe than any of the COVID that we have had previously. But you don't hear that in in uh, what you just heard. You don't hear anything about that. So what we have there is one thing we're being told, infection numbers, infection numbers, infection numbers. Oh, we have 76,000 people, COVID cases in hospitals around the nation. Folks, every day in hospitals in the U.S., we have hundreds of thousands of heart attack patients, people with severe cases of diabetes, in the hospital, 76,000. You got to put it in the context of how many people there are living here. 338 million. That's barely a blip on the radar screen. But you don't get a sense of that. You don't get any perspective there. What have they quit talking about, the CDC? What about data points that they pass out to the mainstream media? That woman you just heard give this report. She didn't talk about deaths, did she? I wonder why. You know why. It's to paint a picture of we're all going to die. We're all going to die. 
Do you know how many people have died in the United States? I'm sure you read the reports. You heard it on all the mainstream media. They're giving us a daily death count, aren't they? No. The CDC doesn't even report it like they did at the beginning of the pandemic. Why is that? It's the fear factor. That's their tool. That's what's driving the boat totally. How many deaths? Give me a number. Somebody give me a number. Two. Two. And one of them is questionable that the variant, Omicron variant, was the killer. It was a man that had massive comorbidity, multiple issues, didn't go to the hospital because of COVID, because of the variant, went for something else, was tested there, was tested positive, and of course then you have to believe the results of the test when we're told that in many cases the PCR test that they're using, often 50% of cases give false positive analysis, two deaths, two, two, two. And yet it just makes it, it cements the validity of us saying We're in a pandemic and it's going to kill everybody. And it lets big cities, big powerful politicians do what big powerful big city politicians do. New York City's strictest COVID-19 vaccine mandate to date went into effect Monday. It requires all private sector employees to provide proof of at least one vaccine dose in order to enter their workplace. And everyone aged 12 and up must show proof of full vaccination to eat indoors at city restaurants and other venues, including movie theaters and museums. The strict measures come as the positivity rate in New York City continues to soar due to the highly contagious Omicron variant. For more, we want to bring in Zach Williams. He's a senior state politics reporter at City and State New York. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for joining us. What kind of enforcement measures will the city's vaccine mandate have? Well, thank you so much for having me, Elise. You know, this vaccine mandate takes effect at a really strange time for New York City. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio will only be mayor for a couple more days. Incoming Mayor Eric Adams has taken the helm over the weekend. But so for now, Bill de Blasio is saying that health inspectors will be out in the city checking businesses, making sure that their employers have at least one dose of the vaccine. And for those that refuse to cooperate whatsoever, there could be $1,000 fines. But the mayor emphasized earlier today that the focus for now at least is on education of businesses, helping them comply with this mandate and leaving it to his successor to really figure out how this is gonna work in the long term. So some estimate one in 50 New Yorkers uh, have been infected with COVID in the past week. What essential services have been most impacted? Well, already we're seeing warnings that there could be subway delays in the upcoming days. So many MTA workers calling in sick. There have also been reports of a shortage of EMS staff. And certainly healthcare workers have been really strained to the breaking point for really this entire pandemic. And we've seen more and more of them working extra hours. And there just doesn't seem to be enough people to cover all bases as this enormous spread of the Omicron variant continues. That said, we're still nowhere where we were last spring 2020, 
But at the same time, there certainly are quite a few essential services that have been impacted by the by this huge surge in infections. Everything from school officials, healthcare workers, and of course uh, the EM, EMS staff. That are so important to helping New Yorkers survive this. We can't. Thank those essential workers enough. Uh, Zach, you mentioned that Mayor Bill de Blasio is only mayor just uh, for a short period of time. It, does incoming Mayor Adams have the same commitment to these policies as outgoing Mayor de Blasio? I would say generally the incoming mayor has been supportive of Mayor Bill de Blasio's policies. But that said, he's been holding his cards very, very close to the chest on this new vaccine mandate for private employers. Um, he hasn't actually said whether he'll continue it once he becomes mayor. But we, but his staff have suggested that he will make his stance clear once he takes the oath of office in the upcoming days. How are New York City residents responding to the latest mandate? Well, I would say it's a pretty moot point for the vast majority of New Yorkers. You know, more than 71% of people in the city are fully vaccinated. That means either one dose of Johnson & Johnson or two doses of Moderna and Pfizer. But that still leaves about 20% of New Yorkers who have had no vaccine doses at all. Um, you know, some of them have their own reasons, all sorts of them out there. Um, but the mandate does raise the issue of how best to address concerns among some black and Latino people who are suspicious about vaccines and the healthcare system in general, especially given a very troubled history uh, of, of such communities being victimized by the government or the healthcare system. And of course, some businesses are also worried about how this vaccine mandate might affect their own staffing levels. You know, businesses across industries have been struggling to keep workers in the pandemic, and some of them believe that this vaccine mandate won't help at all. Mm. Zach Williams, thank you. A lot of talk about infections, infections, infections. Let me, let me just give you an example of what we're talking about, how the media are doing this. You just heard this woman. They didn't talk about deaths. They didn't talk about hospitalizations, did they? They talked about people testing positive. This article was published this morning. I will not give you the name of the outlet. I want to give you, I'm not going to do the, I'm not going to give you the whole thing, just the top part of it to kind of elaborate on what I'm getting at here. Here we go. New COVID cases in the U.S. have soared to their highest level on record as the Omicron coronavirus variant is estimated to have taken over the virus's Delta variant as the most prevalent strain contributing to new COVID infections. The U.S. is seeing over 265,000 new cases per day on average, according to data kept by Johns Hopkins University. That surpasses a prior record of 250,000 daily cases set in mid-January. The latest wave of infections is largely being fueled by the Omicron variant of the novel coronavirus. According to the CDC, the strain accounts for 58.6% of all strains actively circulating in the U.S. as of Christmas Day. That's up from 22.5% for the week ending on December 18th. And this next sentence in this story, is where I'm going to stop because this is what I want to point out to you. Listen closely. CDC officials have said they don't yet have estimates 
of how many hospitalizations or deaths out of the total are due to the high transmissible Omicron variant. They know the exact numbers. Why wouldn't they? They're the most powerful government bureaucracy in the United States government. The CDC has total autonomy to do anything and everything in health care. They're the ones that are pulling every trigger. But yet they say they don't have estimates of how many hospitalizations or deaths out of the total are due to the high transmissible Omicron variant. How many people died from the other stuff? They're not saying. They're not telling us that anymore. Story after story. Newspaper, television, radio, internet, blogs. Everybody is talking about the record number of 265,000 new COVID infections every day. And that Omicron variant's going to kill us all. It's so horrible, they say. Two people in the United States. Just put that in the context of what I just gave you numbers. 265,000 every day infected. They haven't given us the number of how many Omicron variant infections have been reported since the beginning. But it's well over 2 million just based on these daily numbers they're giving us. And only two people have died? Folks, more people die from the flu in this same time period that are dying from COVID-19 now. They don't want you to even think about that. So they hide it from us. It fuels their egregious actions like this latest. The Pentagon has now gone on the offensive after a bunch of Republican lawmakers have pushed back over a COVID vaccine mandate for service members. It quickly snowballed since early last month. Remember we reported this here, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt? He tipped off the battle over who calls the shots and enforcing the vaccine requirement for National Guardsmen. Now, with Texas becoming the seventh state to declare they will not impose the mandate on their National Guard, the Pentagon is grappling with how to make sure its mandate is followed and how to stop further states from piling on and resisting it. Oh man, that's a problem, right? We're not going to make an active effort here to try to tell other states not to express their concerns. So I don't know plans to proactively reach out to governors on this. That's from Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby. He was asked whether Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin planned to contact governors he thinks might follow suit. The only thing I would say is what I've said before. This is Kirby talking. The vaccine is a valid military readiness requirement, and it remains such. The Biden administration's vaccine mandate has become a hot-button issue in the military since Austin announced in late August that it would be applied to all defense personnel. They're kicking people out of the Marines and the Navy every day now. People are refusing to be vaccinated. And here we go, top-down governing. 
They're going to kick people out, which when they do that, it reduces the number of people that are in our military. And they're whining already and have been because the military forces in numbers have been declining over the last couple of years. Our readiness, they say service members being vaccinated improves our readiness as a nation. It improves our readiness as a military In the context of this whole thing, folks, the exact opposite is true. Our military, hardcore military people, I'm not talking about the endowed ones up at the top, but our basic everyday military people, in large part, no longer trust their leaders because of this one thing. Lloyd Austin, a military guy, no medical experience whatsoever, But because he is endowed, he was appointed to be the Secretary of Defense by Joe Biden, by jingos. That's all that's necessary for him to force everybody in the military to be vaccinated. A power grab. Can you imagine how this military general, every general and admiral with almost without exception, They lust for the power that they have with the title. Not that they've necessarily earned, but it starts at the bottom. A lot of people that get into the military share the same kind of reasoning as do those that get into law enforcement. It's a sense of uh, gaining control, gaining power over others. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not saying that means that everybody adopts that mindset. I'm not saying that at all but it does in many cases. And that down the line creates some problems that people have that get into this with that mindset. It always shows up. But our military readiness is being attacked, not from inside the rank and file military service members. It's being attacked from the top, just like the United States of America everyday average citizens like you and me. Our freedoms are being attacked, not by people like us, but by people that are supposed to be leaders. They're supposed to be looking out for what's best for the people and instead are adopting these things that have nothing to do with what their jobs are. It has to do with that power thing. And they're all very quick at turning that switch on in their minds. Power. Power. And at the end of the day, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not some. All evil. Once again, I want to remind you, this show will go live right after we sign off. It'll go live at Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcast, iHeart Podcast, and Stitcher. Go grab one of those links to one of those shows on one of those distributing entities. Share today's show with anybody and everybody you love and anybody you think needs needs to find some facts and some truth and some comfort that they're okay with living with through this debacle. And it is a debacle. 
thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for weighing in. We really appreciate you becoming part of our family here at Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org, and here at TNN Live. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great Thursday. Well, God.